Huggers. Hey there. I'm Stacy Pulley. I'm Terry Cooper. And we are talking to you from Family Tree Therapies. And our subject today, Terry, let her rip, is kind and firm and the power of no. Dun, dun, dun. So we wanted to bring today a parenting strategy and essentially a strategy we use in therapy just in relating to children mm-hmm. and the helpfulness of the power of no, staying neutral and just saying no once and what that means and why that is such a big deal and mm-hmm. also finding a balance between kind and firm. And the basis of this for us comes from Alderian psychology. It's a fancy word. It's very fancy. It's Alfred Adler, if you want to look that up. <clears throat> Excuse me. He talked about how the individual develops and was the father of talking about inferiority complexes and how the mother's relationship with the child, that first relationship, and uh, how it was influential for the rest of that child's life. No pressure. Hmm. No pressure at all. I'm I'm sure it translates also into the fathers as well. Potentially. Sure. But back in the day. Mm-hmm. Work with me here. This is like the 1800s. Back in that time, the mothers were certainly more the ones mm-hmm. to stay home. And so mm-hmm. uh, what I appreciated about Alfred Adler, we're getting a little out in the weeds here, but I'm going to say this. <laughs> what I appreciate about him is as I was reading his book, he was talking about uh, supporting the mother in a way to let her job be, her let her job shine, because if she thought her job was lowly, mm-hmm. then she wouldn't take her job as raising children to be as serious as it should be, because... It's the best job in the world. That's that's what he said. I like it. How do you feel about it? I think that's great. Okay, good. Let's go back. What okay. we're talking about. <laughs> so, why, as occupational therapists and speech therapists, are we talking about this, about the power of no, staying neutral, and finding that balance between kind and firm? Well, from an OT perspective, using these tools really helps to foster that sense of self-regulation, which is what we work on all the time. And what does that mean, self-regulation, Tara? It means that I don't have big reactions. It means that I can handle being told no. It means I can handle when the environment might uh, be causing me a little bit of sensory overload. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as we talked about in previous podcasts, if you've been listening, as you should be, sequentially, we hope so, uh, language is not sensory information. So it can be very dysregulating, meaning that if you're talking too much and you're offering too many explanations and you're just giving too much auditory information, it can overwhelm their system faster than other things. So mm-hmm. we often talk too much. Mm-hmm. So from, Which, Oh, go ahead. Oh, no. I was going to say from a speech perspective, the most important thing uh, that the power of no and kind and firm means to us is helping them to communicate those emotions and learn how to use language to regulate their emotions because that is really a super challenging thing for mm-hmm. our kids. And I think a beautiful bridge between the OT and the speech world is uh, Dan Siegel's Brain in the Palm of the Hand model. Mm-hmm. You can look that up on YouTube because mm-hmm. we're going to give it to you kind of quickly, but mm-hmm. he gives a nice visual example. But go ahead, Tara. Where... If you have your hand and you tuck your thumb in and you fold your fingers over, that is your brain. So when you look at the base of your wrist, that would be the brainstem. Very nice. If you were to open your fingers, well, and the brainstem does. Oh, I didn't know this. Like an episode of Jeopardy. Yes. What is the brainstem? Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, so the brainstem operates your fight or flight, your survival Mm -hmm. modes, breathing, Mm -hmm. regulating heart rate, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then if you were to flip your fingers open and you would see 
Your oh. thumb. Oh, did I, I skipped one. No, I was going to say oh. for 200, the amygdala. Oh. <laughs> the amygdala, Alex. What is the amygdala? Oh, what is the amygdala? Shoot, it was not in the form of a question. And the amygdala is responsible for? Emotions and mm. deciding if mm-hmm. those emotions are safe and if they should go to the brainstem to be processed and I should freak out or if I should be comfortable with that emotional information and go to the? Prefrontal cortex. Oh, oh, no. There's a phone call. We'll pause that. That's terrible news. Sorry, listeners. So when your fingers fold over, that is your cortex. That is your thinking brain. So we've got your brain stem, your amygdala, and your cortex. So mm-hmm. we have your fight or flight, your emotions, and your thinking brain. Well, what happens is if a child becomes upset, dysregulated, they're having a meltdown, we actually call that flipping your lid. That means, in essence, if you were to take your hand model and flip your fingers up, they're operating from that sort of brainstem fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And we often hear from parents uh, that they know that they're capable or they Mm -hmm. know that I've seen them do this before, so Mm -hmm. I know when I asked them this time they should have been able to do it. And so I like to remind parents it's not necessarily – a question of can they it's accessibility so mm-hmm. if you're still if you're still with Terry and what she's doing with her hand when your fingers flip it's no longer accessible that ability to be communicative that ability to be reasonable those cortical strategies mm-hmm. sure. those cortical things and so the prefrontal cortex is really responsible for being integrative it's responsible for once I take the information in, can I pause can my whole system pause take in the information and then respond to the information or do I just react to the information? Mm-hmm. Because reactivity causes more dysregulation. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, when kids, in essence, have flipped their lid and they're kind of having a meltdown, having a tantrum, their desire is to get you to flip your lid as well. Mm-hmm. Why would that be? You think? Well, you meet them. They want you to engage as well because it helps them feel better and it fuels it and it keeps it going. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm think of it this way if you're in an argument with someone and I'm really upset and that person remains calm and loving and supportive how easy is it going to be to continue my rage mm-hmm. not right. not not going to be easy going to be mm-hmm. difficult now think of it this way and I often tell parents too it's going to be uh, more it's going to be easy, uh, harder before it's easier because they're used to you responding mm-hmm. engaging they're used to you engaging in this back and forth and this and both of you becoming dysregulated so they're going to ramp up their little whatever they're showing you, whatever tantrum or self-dysregulation, they're going to ramp that up trying to get back to their old patterns because the body is going to crave that homeostasis and it's also going to want you to react the way you normally do and so they may ramp up just to get you to respond in your normal ways. Mm-hmm. So that brings us to the strategy that we're actually talking about today, which is the power of no, saying the word no, saying it once, and then keeping your face neutral. Mm-hmm. And that would be so important from the uh, from a neuro perspective in communication. Mm-hmm. That neutrality allows you to do a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. That neutrality shows your child that you're not going to mirror whatever emotion should be happening. You're not going to be showing on your face that you're angry or sad or disappointed because that allows them to experience the emotion for themselves. Remember what we said about the prefrontal cortex. You have to learn how to respond to something. So if you're already in a rage or you're yelling loudly or you're, you know, if you can picture an angry face and your eyebrows are all screwed up and you approach someone in that manner, their mirror neurons are going to fire. They're just going to mirror your emotions and then they're not going to be responsive in a way that 
brings in that cortical functioning. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Do you like that explanation? That was a good description. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so really we have to trust <clears throat> the kids to figure out what emotion is going on. If you come in and you're showing disappointment, then trust them with that disappointment. Don't show them that you're disappointed and then get really angry and then fill in the blanks about the 15 things they could do to alleviate your disappointment. Show the disappointment, show neutrality, and trust them with it. Trust that they need to now figure out how to move forward, how to solve the problem, how to come up with a solution, how to do it differently next time, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, excellent. <laughs> One of my favorite... <laughs> I'm sorry, but you say it a lot. Oh. You go, yes, excellent. Oh. Like, good on you. I agree. <laughs> okay, moving on. She's got something to say. I don't remember. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's what I do to people. Mm-hmm. All right, well... Oh, it, I, I, I'm, oh, I'm back. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. I could ramble on if you want me to. <laughs> what the power of no does is it really helps to establish the boundaries. So as a child, one of the most important developmental things that they're trying to experience is figuring out what they can and can't do. What is appropriate what both socially and physically and emotionally and by providing these boundaries to your child by saying no by not giving them everything that they want and then not engaging with excessive language and speaking and no well because i said no and then this would happen and blah no when you say no once you're kind you're firm you're establishing that boundary and kids need to learn that boundary when they're young. That helps create uh, a sense of safety for them. It helps them know uh, where their limits are. And it really sets the stage for learning how to deal with the disappointment. And it's very critical that we learn to deal with upset and disappointments when we're young. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And we really it needs to encourage a whole nother level of problem solving. If I come to you with a concern and I'm showing some kind of emotion, but I'm being fairly neutral and saying no or just, uh, you know, like Terry said, being kind and firm, then if they want more, if they want to have a discussion with you, if they want to solve the problem, you're putting that on them. You're creating Mm -hmm. a communication demand, an emotional demand on them. And too oftentimes we find that our parents fill in the gaps a -hmm. lot, fill in the blanks a lot. I think it's a natural inclination to do that as a parent to – to tell kids how they're feeling or to assume that we know you look really angry, therefore this and this. And sometimes what I think we do is we put our own emotional label on what they're doing and feeling, and we sometimes put our adult um, experience on their childhood experience, and we get kind of mixed up. We need to let them experience them on their own and have their own feelings. Like sometimes kids may not get angry as fast as I do, mm-hmm. my own children mm-hmm. included. <clears throat> So when would we use this strategy? And we wrote in our notes all the time. All the time. All the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think... From the beginning. From the beginning of time. So I use it... Um, I use it all the time still, mm-hmm. really. So you're going to use it in periods... With me as well. <laughs> I use it with Terry. I just say, no. And then we stare at each other. And then what happens? I will probably start laughing and walk away. <laughs> probably. sorry so during those times of high emotion is when we suggest it during the times when you have some kind of um, chronic challenge with a transition or if there's something that always tends to get everybody really emotional in my house it might be homework Mm -hmm. Addison I'm talking to you 
it might be homework. And homework tends to get people excitable because we're going, we go anytime you think there's a same old routine that keeps happening in the house and you just can't figure out how to do it. But something really important behind the no, there's another step. Mm. Do you know mm-hmm. what it is? Probably, but I'm not exactly <laughs> sure where you're going. I think she knows. But once you say no, you don't say it again. Yes. And you follow through on the no. Every so, time. Every time. So decide what you're going to do and follow through every time, whether it's when they're little and it's a piece of candy, whether it's middle school and it's an extra hour of bedtime, whatever it is, you ha- if you mean no, mm-hmm. actually I was going to say if you say no, then you mean no. Mm-hmm. It seems simple, but it's hard. Uh, we do experiential workshops here at the treehouse and when we do it I was telling Terry earlier that one of my favorite activities is just say no and we line up parents and then we line up quote unquote kids we make parents be kids and the one job of the parents is just to say no and say it once and stay neutral and the other adults have to come at you like a kid that's begging for the keys or a piece of candy or whatever and I don't think anyone's been successful Nope, they all giggle and laugh or they start like giving more or they start saying, I already told you once. And, you know, they start adding more language. Mm-hmm. It's true. <laughs> I've been a part of it. <laughs> she likes it. It's very difficult. It's surprisingly more difficult than what you would think. Practice it. If you're listening to this, take advantage of the next opportunity that comes up in your household of when you think and you mean no, say no, say it once and not again. Mm-hmm. I think one more thing I wanted to add mm-hmm. is that you don't owe an explanation mm-hmm. all the time to why you're saying no. You can... Why not? Well, yeah. <laughs> you can offer <laughs> at times if you had to, if you thought that it was like uh, the initial time you were saying no. Mm-hmm. No, because we're going to have dinner in an hour kind of a thing. Uh, but over time, if you're constantly offering explanations for your behavior, the more you talk, the more it invites others to talk, the more it invites negotiation. Mm-hmm. And you're not trying to say I'm a non-negotiator. What you're trying to say is my word is valid and my word no means no. Mm-hmm. And when you can get that across on a regular, consistent basis, even though it seems um, to some parents, it seems strict, I think there's some comfort in it, like mm-hmm. Terry was describing earlier with the boundaries and the safety. I was talking with a a mom earlier today, and we were talking about this concept of saying it once with a neutral face and not having the excess language and about the boundaries. And we were laughing, thinking of sort of an above-ground swimming pool, how her daughter is looking for these the boundaries of the edges and trying to find that one little pinprick hole where she could push and push and push and the water would explode out. And that's what, what this child was looking for every time and it's harder the later you start doing this Mm -hmm. if it's a change in your parenting style it's not going to be easy and it's not going to work every time and it's not going to solve what happens if I have to if I if I have to leave and this has to happen instantly using this strategy and developing this sense and these boundaries for your children from the beginning is what's critical Right. It doesn't mean, like she said, that it can't be done, but it is a little bit harder. And Mm -hmm. remember when Terry was describing the hand model earlier with the prefrontal cortex or the part that you want to be driving the bus, which is the responsive part, not the reactive part, is, I mean, mostly we run on our subconscious. We run on our ego. We run on old patterns. We run on what comes up first. This is coming at me, so therefore this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to react. And so the more time you have practicing 
developing that slowing down and responding or developing that new pattern, you're going to have to, just like anything else, you're going to have to put it in play often so that you can practice it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. I don't know. So as always, our goal with this strategy, creating independent, capable kids. We here at Family Tree will help you with this strategy. And if you come to see it in therapy, we are trying to utilize it throughout all of our sessions um, so that you can see it modeled because mm-hmm. it's difficult to do. Excellent. Oh, why, thank you. I think that's all we have for you today. We thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. As always, if you have any suggestions or something you'd like to hear, just let us know. Thank you. Thank you.